Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shalaos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls, and the phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can also text us this morning at 57500. Don, it's really gotten to that uh, point in the season where Dave Meekham jumps up and down because it's pretty darn cold out there. Oh, uh, I, I I think this is the cue for me to moan and groan and wish no, we were no, in no, Hawaii. No, 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 and no, no, We no. could do the show from Hawaii. You actually, know. we could. But I actually love the Four Seasons. You know, Dave said we couldn't, but it's not true. Uh, if Doug Wright can do a, a show from Holland or wherever he did a show this past year, we can do one from yes, Hawaii. Yes, we can. There we go. We just need to find sponsors. We do. But, yeah, it's, the Four Seasons are good. I The trees, this is the latest I've ever seen them turning, but we're getting lots of trees that are turning now. And the snow has melted off, at least the valley floors. I did see a number of trucks this morning going on the freeway with snowmobiles. So they're going sledding, so it is. There's plenty I think of snow people up are, in the mountains, yeah, getting sure. excited. But it is nice to have the change of season. It's not even so much the cold. I just am not a huge fan of driving in snow. Well, and I just love to be outside in the garden, so it yes. doesn't, do, doesn't work very well for me. But I did take some pictures of the trees outside of our window window here at Broadcast House because they're so beautiful. And but I'm wondering before we get into our plant of the week, I'm wondering with the leaves staying on the trees so late, if that's going to be a problem if we do get a big huge snowstorm. It can be. We already ran into this in uh, Syracuse. I'm thinking back to growing up places. <laughs> Would uh, in Orem we the. North Orem near Provo Canyon gets a lot of wind and snow and Orem City had a lot of branch breakage in the trees and it was uh 
just not really bad. Entire trees didn't fall over, but as you drive around, you will see especially sycamore trees and other trees that still had a full complement of leaves on them that there's lots of branch breakage, and so it can be a problem. All right. Well, the plant of the week is a fairly interesting tree that you found, green penguin Scots pine. Now, what do we know about this tree? This was a smaller than an Alberta spruce, right? It is. This is one that J.D. Gunnell, who second week in a row, he suggested the plan of the week, which Thank I appreciate. You, JD. Yes. Thank you, J.D. He has uh, seen this at some local garden centers, and it's a little cute pine tree looking thing, like a little Christmas tree. Okay, but and, when you say little, how little is Well, little? it's all relative because right, a regular Scots saying. pine gets up to 50 feet. Right. This one is going to be four or five feet once you plant it in the ground after about oh, 10, 12 years. See, that's awesome. Yes, and it stays fairly narrow, almost in the shape of a Christmas tree. And so it's one that when I spoke with J.D., he was hoping that would be a replacement tree for Alberta spruce. Now, the Alberta spruce are another one that kind of have that little miniature pine tree shape, mm-hmm. but they have a tendency to scorch on the backside of like facing the house, mm-hmm. especially if you have brick or something there. And we're hoping that this one will be a little more resistant. I'm not quite positive, but it's one that I think is worth investigating because Scott's pine is one that is also called Scotch pine. I think the more correct is Scott's pine. Just if you talk to people from Scotland, they're, they're not Scotch. They're, that's a drink and mm-hmm. they're Scott. So at any rate, uh, this is one that we're hoping will take and do well just because Scott's pine is generally a very durable tree. Right. In the article that we've posted on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page, this is a real pretty tree. It is. But it's not a shade tree at all. No. It's not something no, you think it of is as not. being a big, huge evergreen. No. It's very beautiful, though. It is very beautiful, and it's one that you would plant where you have limited space and you need sort of a specimen in there that will attract attention. And so you, it's one you would plug in and then maybe have some perennials if you're growing more formal between you know two or three of them. And the reason I really like this is that it won't get out of hand on you. And then it's also quite cold hardy. And so you can plant it, whether it's Heber, Logan, or even colder areas, it would do well in Bear Lake. Mm -hmm. So the one thing about this is I suspect that it would be susceptible to deer damage from deer eating Mm, it just because pine trees are normal forage uh, for deer. And so if you have problems with deer, you would probably always need to have it protected because it would never grow tall enough to get above where the deer can eat it. Right. How does this one do as far as water goes? It's going to be at least moderately drought hardy once it's established. So after two to three years in the ground, it's going to need to be watered every seven to 10 days to a depth of probably a foot. How about soil? Average soil, as long as it's not super salty, it'll do well in clay or loam or sand. It's The Scots pines are very durable. Okay, but is it something you want on the east side of the house, the west side of the house? It'll do well on the east, west, and maybe south. I still don't, if it got a lot of reflected heat, it still may scorch a little bit, but it requires anywhere from about six to eight hours of sun a day, and it may do okay with between four and six. I really like the size of this. There are so few trees 
that are this size. Yes, and the form of this, and it it may benefit from just a little bit of light trimming to keep it with the form you want, but that was what JD really liked about it, was that it just had a really nice shape because a lot of her dwarf conifers, like there's a dwarf conifer called Big Tuna Mugo. Oh, wow. Okay. And it is dwarf, and it, it's, it gets bigger than this one, but it just has a less formal shape to it. And this one has a lot more formal shape. So I think that if it the production numbers come up, I think that it could be quite a popular tree. Okay. You can see it on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page, the Green Penguin Scots Pine. We're going to come back with your calls and questions. Number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. We already have questions on the text line. Tom, the first question this morning is, uh, this person has an amaryllis bulb ready to plant, and there's a mass of dried roots that are attached to the bottom. They want to know, should they cut those off before replanting? They don't need to. If they're dead, they'll decompose in the soil. So go ahead and plant it. And if they wanted, if they were, say, an inch or two long and you had more of a beard, you could trim them a little bit, but Mm -hmm. otherwise leave them alone. Okay. And for those of us who have just let the leaves die off of ours and are about ready to put them into a, let them go dormant, how long will it take for them to be Anywhere from two to three months, usually 12, 10 to 12 weeks. I always wait till later because I want mine to... Bloom after Christmas. Yes. I know it's dumb. You you let it go dormant, and if it hasn't starting to sh- started to shoot new roots out after that ten to twelve week period, mm-hmm. you just pot it up, bring it into a light location, water it, and let it do its thing. I just think it's more fun to have more flowers in February yes. when I have no flowers. At My all. Thanksgiving practice is. is blooming right now. Mine's almost ready, which means it's a holiday cactus, right? It's not a. Th- uh, well, if it's blooming around Thanksgiving, oh, like okay. the you one said I have, I was thinking Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. the one I have blooms around Thanksgiving and then kind of quits, and then it will kind of sporadically through the rest of the season. And so, even though mine said holiday cactus mm-hmm. on it, I think that the genetics are mo- at least mostly Thanksgiving. I have one that's just like yours. That's got big bolt, like not bl- blossoms, not actual blooms yet. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how that's going to turn out. Uh, next listener says they have two rows of Sharon's that they bought a few weeks ago, but they haven't had time to plant them. Should they or could they plant them now or can that wait? And if so, how do they hold on to them? 
Well, I would get them in the ground. That's going to be the best thing for them. If the ground's not frozen solid. Yes, and even if they needed to get a pick or oh, something, wow. that would just be the best solution. Otherwise, I'd put them in the garage or an unheated shed, and they're going to need to water them every three or four weeks until mid-March, and then I would plant them then. I was noticing that my Rose of Sharon leaves look kind of funny right now, almost like they're, they didn't get enough water, but I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, they don't go dormant very well. They kind of go into winter kicking and screaming, and eventually the leaves just kind of turn kind of an ugly yellow green and fall off. Okay, so it's not my just my plant. No, that's pretty normal for Rose of Sharon. I've had so many trees die in the last year and a half that I'm just like, please don't let any more trees die in my yard. Yeah, I, the Rose of Sharon have you are usually quite durable as long as they're not overwatered. And so every once in a while, one goes down for whatever reason, but they're among the more reliable plants in our landscapes. Mm-hmm. I think of them more as a tree just because mine's about seven foot tall. So that's I'd be yeah. really sad if I lost Yes, it. and they can get the normal species, Rose of Sharon, can get up to 10 to 12 feet high and wide. They get quite big. And so there's have been a number of new dwarf and columnar types introduced that I've been encouraging folks to use. I have one called Lil' Kim, and so far after four years, they've reached... Three by three. Mm-hmm. So a lot more contained growth, easy to trim up a little bit. Yeah, mine is kind of old too, so I'm worried that its lifespan might be uh, coming to an end. How long do they usually live? At least 20 to 25 years. Oh, I know of some that are going on 40 years old that are still doing quite well. Mm-hmm. I think that the ones I know of that old are in desperate need of renewal pruning, but they're still there and still going. Okay. Next person says, is it good to spray diluted household ammonia and or urine on a lawn to help decompose leaves and or fertilize? Oh, goodness. I, I've never. Where are you collecting that household from? Household ammonia. I, no, it's not. I think someone's been reading Jerry Baker. Don't do that. Don't do. Jerry I Baker, Jerry Baker is. was a horticulturist. Well, I only, I'm not even going to call him a horticulturist. He was Whoa. a gardening quack. That was on PBS in the 90s and early 2000s that promoted all these home remedies for garden solutions. Hmm. And they would play his shows during fundraiser drives. And there are scientists that have made careers out of debunking his methods. And if they do work, you can usually do it a lot more inexpensively. And using certified organic products and some of the stuff you've got to be super careful with. I mean, one of his sprays involves boiling tobacco chew in a pot. And then if you drank some of that, it would kill you. You know, we're like, oh, I hate pesticides. They're so bad for us. Well, try some of this tobacco spray out for and see what it does. And I kind of um, got you revved up here. Well, well, I didn't, but the texture did. I don't know. Did. And I just, people love these home remedies. You know, let's stick it to the man and not buy anything. And these pesticides are evil. But a lot of times home remedies are far more dangerous than what you would actually go to the store and purchase. And so I'm sure this person is just trying to do something different. But if they wanted to help break those leaves down, 
one, I would make sure I don't have too many on the lawn because if you have a two or three inch layer, there's a chance that that will smother the lawn. And so I would mow them. And if they wanted to use something organic, you know, a liquid fish emulsion spray or some other liquid organic Mm. fertilizer, I think would be easier to come by because I just don't know where you would get enough urine, which you actually can sometimes get. And because it's also just one of those things that it's just going to be much easier to do an organic spray if you're interested in doing that. And no ammonia on the lawn. No, and ammonia, if it weren't for soil microorganisms quickly breaking it down, it would actually be toxic to the lawn. And it's we're grateful to soil microorganisms that change it from ammonia eventually to ammonium nitrate. And so... It's just one of those things that you're going to be cheaper usually to just buy something from the store. And I mean, this, the fertilizer mix from Jerry Baker involved, I think shampoo, a can of beer, household ammonia. And it's just, I, the last bottle of shampoo I bought was, I think the cheap stuff was like eight or nine bucks. And by the time I do that and five or $6 for the bottle of ammonia, and I'm sure your lawn appreciates the beer, but it also doesn't know. And so it's just one of those things that, yeah, you can go try it and you're probably not going to harm anything, but it's just a lot less expensive to just get a product from the store and you'll get the same results or better. Okay. <laughs> Next listener. You haven't frightened people away. Uh, it wants to know, they have a flowering, they have some flowering crab apple trees in their front yard that they've been waiting to transplant. Now all the leaves have fallen off and they want to transplant them. Is it too cold to do that? And then how do they need to do it? Well, it's not too cold. It's just if the ground isn't frozen. If And it said that they were planted within the last year. Um, it says that they just have some that are they have in their yard that they want to transplant. We really need to know the size because if they're brand new, they could just with like a year or so old, they could just dig them up and move the original root balls and it wouldn't cause a lot of damage. But if they've been in the ground six or seven years, then, you know, it gets to a point that you may, if you can even find somebody you need to hire a, somebody that owns a tree spade to move them, or you're going to have to have access to, at least something, I don't know if you've ever heard of a dingo or they're, they look like a little mini bobcat that you stand behind, Mm -hmm. but you would need something to help lift that tree out of the ground for five people. But in theory, if it's bigger, you would go out about 18 inches from the trunk and draw a circle around the tree. And on the outside of that circle, you dig a circular trench 18 inches deep. And then you would have to gently cut the roots underneath and get, um, some burlap or a tarp underneath that root ball and just work it under there, lift it out and move it. But it's, it's quite an involved process if the trees are older. Okay. But they can do it now if they need to. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. We'll be back with more of your calls and questions. Number to call. Phone lines are open. 801-575-8255. You can text us at 575-00. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.